been listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Business of Baking podcast. It's Michelle here, and it's a good day to have a good day. Don't you think so? I'm feeling pretty cheerful today. Today, we're going to talk about time management, which sounds really boring. So let's actually just retitle this as getting your time back or reclaiming your time or making time or you know what? None of us have enough time. Why are we all so busy? You know, when you talk to your friends, you're like, so how are you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm so busy. Oh my God. What are we all busy doing? I really wonder. And like in the days before social media, what do we do with that time? What were we busy doing then? I feel like we're just busy all the time. So I recently did a survey of people who are running their business as a side gig or as a you know, part-time thing around their life, their job, their kids, their family, their whatever. And fascinatingly, out of the hundreds and hundreds of answers that I got, almost every single person mentioned in that survey that their biggest business problem is time, a lack of time to get stuff done. They need more hours in the day. They're not managing to move faster. Time or lack of it was the biggest problem everybody mentioned, which is funny, right? Because my whole career, I've always assumed that people struggle with pricing. And of course they do. And pricing is a massive hot topic for us. But the time thing came up way, 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 way more than I expected it would. And possibly that's because the people answering my survey were people who are doing this as a side thing. So their time is largely already accounted for by family, by day jobs, by other part-time jobs, by looking after unwell parents or pets or whatever. So possibly it was the people that I asked, but it stands to reason that all of us need more time to get stuff done in our businesses. So for today's episode, I wanted to give you some ways to reclaim your time back, to kind of take back over control of the chaos. And not like we can't make more time. It would be nice if we could actually like make it, if we could like go to a time back bank and be like, hey, can I borrow a couple of hours? But it doesn't work that way. So I'm going to give you some practical tips in order to reclaim your time back in your business and just things that have worked for me over the years when I have found that time is short, but intention is long because I think that happens to all of us. Oh, I'm going to get 10,000 things done. There's actually, oh my God, I wish I could remember who said it now, but there's some famous quote which says, we overestimate what we can get done in a day and we underestimate what we can get done in a year. Meaning that we think we can achieve more in short periods of time and we think we can't achieve enough in longer periods of time. So that's kind of the theme of today. It's all about time and getting your time back. So let's jump straight in with some good ideas. Mind you, I'm claiming they're good. They could be terrible, but I don't think so because they work for me. Some of these things you guys might have seen over the years through the blog or in the book or whatever, but I thought it'd be a good idea to consolidate them all in one place. So let's start with number one. Don't send detailed quotes. I know, does this stress you out? Like the idea of not sending a detailed quote. I find that one of the things we have to do as business owners is really be very careful of how we're choosing to spend our time. And if every inquiry comes through, we send them these massive detailed you know, quotes with pictures and with all sorts of, you know, down to like the last sugar flour we've costed it out. What happens is it often takes us too long to do that. And so by the time we've gotten that back to someone, they've either moved on or they've changed their mind or now they want a bigger, smaller, whiter, pinker, whatever the story is. 
But quite often in that first inquiry stage, they're not really asking for a ton of information. They're just kind of like saying, hey, what would you charge for this kind of thing? And it's a qualifying email or a qualifying phone call. It's not, give me every last detail of your life. I need to know what you ate for dinner last night. It's not like that. So in the first instance, if you want to start saving some time straight up, don't send highly detailed quotes to those first inquiries. I would be sending a, you know, thanks so much for your email. Something like what you're looking at will be this dollars to that dollars. And I'd give them just a basic range. Now, of course, the question is, what do you do if the range you've given them is way too low, right? Let's say you quote them like between $100 and $200 and you then go away and actually do the costing and it's like $800 or something crazy. Look, it's not easy to get out of that, <laughs> like that big of a gap. I think it is okay to exceed a range by probably 10% or something. If you're going to exceed a range significantly, then I think you're going to have to have an explanation. But if you said it's between 100 and 150 and it comes out at 160 or 170, I don't think that's a big deal. I think people understand that a range is flexible to a degree. And the question, of course, is, well, how do you get to a range, right? And the answer to that is once you start doing your costing out for orders, you will very quickly learn that there's a little bit of a pattern. Like you'll start to learn that, oh, you know what? All of my kids' cakes seem to almost always fall between the 150 and the 250 mark, you know, or all the four-tier wedding cakes I do are never any cheaper than five or $600. So oh, it's going to be above that. And you'll start to notice a range and you'll start to realize that you actually do have a relatively set yet flexible pricing structure. You know, you'll start to go, oh my God, every week I make this unicorn cake. It's never over a hundred bucks. So the next person who orders a unicorn cake says, how much is that? If you can't tell them off the top of your head, you'll say, it'll be no more than a hundred dollars or whatever. So range is something that you learn over time, the more you do your costing and the more you figure out your prices, you'll soon learn. And the reason why we give them a range and not a firm quote is because people change their minds about stuff, right? You say to somebody, oh, that'll be between $100 and $200. And then they come back to you and they're like, oh, what if I add another tier? Oh, what if I take off three flowers? Oh, what if I whatever? So it's a way of kind of covering your butt, to be honest. But it's also a way of making sure that you are not going away spending an hour or more per customer only to have them disappear into the mist and or change their mind 100 times. So tip number one, don't send detail quotes in the first instance. If the conversation progresses and people are keen to hear more and you didn't scare them off with, with that price, then yes, of course, you're going to need to create a more detailed quote so you can come up with a final number. But in the first instance, I just wouldn't bother. The second thing to reclaim your time, I would suggest you do, which always strikes fear in the heart of introverts everywhere, is to swap emails for phone calls. I know you find this terrifying. I know you think everybody wants to talk to you via text or via email or via non-personal things. But again, you want to reclaim your time. The best way to do that is to ditch the email crazy. For me, after about three emails, I pick up the phone. Because in that phone call, you can gather all the information you need to know in one spot. And also they can gather all the information they need to know in one spot. So, you know, rather than send an email saying, okay, what do you want me to write on it? And then they write back and say, okay, can you write happy birthday Eloise on it or something? And you write back and say, okay, what color? And they write back and say pink. And you write back and say, okay, well, what about, this? it's just crazy, right? If you can be brave enough to end the email trail and make phone calls, you will find that two things happen. 
Well, three things. One, you get way better at this over time. The first time you do it, you're practically peeing in your pants. Like, oh my God, I have to talk to humans. No, and you're freaking out. But by the time you've done it two or three times and you've realized how much time it saves you, you're firstly more confident in doing it. And secondly, you suddenly start to get really, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you get really proprietary about your time. Like you look at your emails. I'm like, I want to answer these stupid things. Oh my God, wait, I can just make 10 phone calls. 10 minutes later, I'm done. So you start to get really, really like almost selfish, although it's not quite the right word still about your time. So one, you get better at it over time. Two, you realize how much time it's saving you. And three, you make more money because when you're on the phone with somebody, it's really hard to say no. And it's really hard to disappear. People ghost you on emails all the time. And on phone, it's a lot harder. I mean, sure, they can totally still give you that excuse. Like, I need to talk to my husband about it, which is basically like the order's kiss of death. But generally speaking, if you are talking to somebody on the phone, it's a lot easier to ask for a deposit and it's a lot easier to get a deposit. So you will make more money. If you can swap emails for phone calls, you will save a ton of time and make way more money and get way more customers out of it. Because also if you're committing them over the phone, you're kind of ending the time and space they have to go Googling other cake companies or other cookie companies. So number two, swap emails for phone calls. Number three, if you did my webinar on time management or even other podcasts, you might've heard me talk about how my favorite method of time management is something that I call time blocking. Other people call it the Pomodoro method. Some people call it, you know, batching work or whatever. It basically means that you're doing all the same thing at the same time, but I wanted to take that to the next level. So something I learned recently is that I do this time blocking thing where at the beginning of the week, sometimes the beginning of the day, depending on what I've got going on, I literally sit down and I go, yep, from 12 to 12.30, I'm recording a podcast. From 12.30 to 1 o'clock, I'm writing a newsletter. From 1 to 2 o'clock, I'm answering all my emails. And I set a task for every time that I'm working. And here's something really fascinating. I learned that it actually really helps me, particularly with procrastination, because I know I only have to do this for half an hour. How hard can half an hour be? Or even 15 minutes, really. So I learned two things. One, it totally helps with my procrastination issues. And two, if I don't set an actual alarm, what happens is I start doing that thing, that podcast or that email or that whatever I'm doing, and I get so wrapped up in it that the time just disappears. Now, it's not that I'm not being productive. It's that I got sucked into the vortex of whatever that activity is. So recently, I've learned that time blocking works a lot better for me when I set an actual noisy timer to go off. Because somewhere in my head, I'm like, oh my God, the timer's going to go off soon. Right. Time to get my skates on. Seriously, get on with it, Michelle. And setting an actual noisy timer works a lot better. So my third tip for you is if you're going to do time blocking and set aside 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever it is of time to do a specific task, also make sure that somewhere you set an alarm on your phone or on your computer or whatever, that's actually going to ring and make noise because knowing that that's coming... (laughs) (laughs) like the noise is coming is actually massively motivating and also helps keep you from kind of falling down the rabbit hole of doing this kind of work and then going, oh my God, wait a minute. I said, I'd only be, you know, answering emails for an hour and it's been three hours later. Not that that's not good use of your time, but it means that you're not motivated to move any faster because no alarm bell is going to be ringing and kind of reminding you like, hey, time to get that thing done. All right, get on with it. So set a noisy alarm. Don't do what I did recently though. I set an alarm for stuff. (laughs) And then so that I didn't get distracted, I set my phone on silent, (laughs) which just quietly, totally useless to set a noisy alarm and then have it not make any noise. So don't do that. But for sure, setting a noisy alarm works really, really well for me. 
Okay, number four, top tip on reclaiming your time and getting your life back. Oh, that's what I should call this podcast, getting your life back and getting control over your time. We need a life. Seriously, we need to get a life. Okay, so number four is have somebody else hold you accountable. Sometimes motivating ourselves to do things is like not that easy, but sometimes getting somebody else to help is really easy. So I've started getting the people around me to hold me accountable. As an example, I might say to my kids, all right, at seven o'clock, I'm coming to help you out with your homework. So if you see that I'm still stuck in the office at seven o'clock, come and annoy me about it. Come and get me. And I say to them, I'm going to do my best to remember here, but if I can't remember, or if the timer doesn't go off or the noisy thing is on silent, (laughs) I need you to remind me. And they're like, oh, okay. At seven o'clock, we're doing homework together. And surely enough, somewhere around 7.02, there's going to be a knock on my office door being like, hey, mom, where are you? It's seven o'clock. You told me that we were going to be hanging out, doing homework. I need to do that. So I've noticed that sometimes having like a backup plan of somebody else relying on me and somebody else holding me accountable works really, really well. So if, you know, make a commitment to someone else, tell them you're going to be there and give them permission to irritate the heck out of you if you don't show up. That's a massive one. And it's worked so well for me. I don't rely on them to do the work as in I'm not sitting there going, yep, they have to remind me and that's it. I'm using that as like a plan B. I'm making sure that I have my own methods in place for making sure that I'm going to be where I say I'm going to be when I say I'm going to be. But that's kind of like a plan B backup time. And you have to say to that person, your kid, your partner, your best friend, whatever, hey, seriously, annoy me about it. If I have not shown up at the time I said I would, come and get me, come and tell me. And having that other person there as a backup also works really, really well. It also helps that I'm somebody who firstly hates being late. Like I hate being late. Oh my God. And I find other people who are late really rude. So by the way, if we ever have lunch together or dinner or really, if we just plan to hang out at any time, show up on time. In fact, show up two minutes early. I just, (laughs) a friend of mine actually, and I were talking about this recently and he said, do you know what? I feel like when people are late, it's they're telling you that they don't value your time. And that's kind of offensive. I never honestly thought about it that way. And of course, life happens like traffic or whatever. But he's right. Somebody being late to meet with you is kind of a version of them saying, I don't value your time. I don't respect your time. You know, I had a friend who I'm not friends with anymore. And I'm not friends with her anymore because of this. She was late to everything all the time. And she was one of those people who never properly committed. So she'd say to you, yeah, let's go out on Saturday night. And you'd be like, yeah, cool. And so you'd put time in your diary and you'd organize it and whatever. And then, you know, Saturday morning, she'd call you and go, okay, so from 12 till three, I've got this. From three till six, I've got that. From six till seven, I've got that. And then at eight, I should be able to come and see you. And she just never fully committed to anything. She was late. And, you know, obviously when you have that many commitments in the day, you're going to be late to the last one. It's just the way it works, right? It's like the doctor's office. They start out with one late appointment in the morning and it has a domino effect for the rest of the day. So I couldn't stand being friends with her. And eventually I let that friendship die because, you know, she was just constantly not making it happen. And interestingly, we had a conversation about it before I sort of ended that friendship where she basically said, I feel really bad saying no. She was a massive people pleaser. And she was like, I hate saying no to people. I want to make sure I'm there for everybody. I really want to see all these people. I really want to do all these these things. I really want to be there. And I said to her, yeah, but by not making some choices on priority, you're actually making everybody in that chain feel like they're not that important. So you're kind of doing the opposite of what you want. You want everybody to feel important and loved and like you're making time for them. But by doing this whole, I can see you between 8 and 8.03 on the sixth Wednesday of the ninth moon, you're just making everyone feel crappy and unvalued, you know? So yeah, that friendship had to go. So 
Number four, have somebody else hold you accountable. Make plans with your kids. Make plans with your friends. Make plans with somebody and give them permission to annoy you. Don't be rude and expect them to do all the work, but let them be your backup plan. Okay, number five. It's probably the best thing I've ever done for myself ever. And admittedly, I did not invent this. A business coach that I had when I ran the cake business told me about this and I've since adopted it for myself. I use this probably several times a day. And sometimes I'll go like several weeks without needing to, but it's my fail-safe way to pull my up. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have a tendency to just fall headfirst into something and then I look up and it's an hour later and I'm like, oh man, where did all my time go? So on the odd occasion, when I actually catch myself in that hour doing things, I ask myself this question. And this question works all the time. And the question is really simple. It's, is this the best use of my time right now. That's it. It's a really simple question and I have printed this out and stuck it to my laptop at various times. You can also set it as a reminder on your phone to come up like once an hour or whatever as like an alarm because we get stuck in the world of computers and phones so easily. And that's the specific time I'm talking about. You know, when you're out and about working on a cake or with friends or whatever, that's a different thing. I'm talking specifically about managing your screen time because that's what I have the hardest time with. I ask myself this question, is this the best use of my time right now? You know what? Most of the time it isn't. We waste an ocean load of time on unimportant things that will not advance either ourselves or our business all the time. Things that could be outsourced, things which frankly just don't need to be done, things which just aren't that important and we waste time because we're procrastinating or whatever. So I printed that question out, I stuck it to the top of my computer, is this the best use of my time right now? And when I find myself falling into the heap of online shopping or refreshing Facebook for the 89th time in the same five minutes or looking at videos on Instagram of recipes I will never make because they always seem to involve puff pastry and Nutella and like one egg. I don't know what that's about. Somebody decided that Nutella is the only thing you can cook with. And mind you, I love Nutella, but I don't need to make Nutella everything. And I definitely don't need to watch those videos where they snap their fingers and suddenly the the butter is cubed, right? So when I find myself falling into the abyss of that kind of stuff, I ask myself, is this the best use of my time right now? And to be very frank, sometimes I catch myself scrolling social media or playing a game on my phone or, you know, watching a lot of Nigella videos on on YouTube. And I think, is this the best use of my time? And my first instinct is usually to say no, because you know, I could be earning money, I could be doing marketing, I could be answering client emails, whatever. But sometimes the answer is actually yes. I'm in no mental state to answer emails. I'm not in a good mood. I really just need this 20 minutes to kind of veg out and think about nothing. So sometimes I ask myself that question, is this the best use of my time right now? And the answer I come across is yes. But even in that case, that question serves to pull me up. So what will usually happen is even if I say yes to that, I will go about and set a timer for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is that I need to do to really give myself the opportunity to have that downtime, but not let that downtime run away with you. So that question has saved me so many, many times, both from being a massive time waster and from letting you know myself kind of indulge in that behavior, which is not really serving anybody and is just a bit of self-sabotage, really. So feel free to steal that one. Stick it on a sticker on your laptop. 
set it as an alarm on your phone to go off every hour during your working hours, whatever you need to do really, but is this the best use of my time right now? The last tip I've got for you on reclaiming some of your time might sound a little bit counterintuitive because it takes a little bit more time, but it's go somewhere else to do your business work. So that could be a local library, that could be a local cafe that has free Wi-Fi, that could be your friend's house. Actually, it doesn't need to be somewhere fancy. It could be like your mom's kitchen table, whatever. But get out of your normal environment where you normally do things. Going somewhere else to do work has a profound impact on your productivity. And that's for a couple of reasons. One, you're in a new environment. And so you know, that in itself has an emotional impact, like new environment, fresh air, that kind of thing. But the second reason that going away from home keeps you more focused is because you're away from home, meaning those kids can't ask you any questions. Your husband can't come and irritate you. The laundry is not calling your name like, Michelle, wash me, right? And when we're away from home, We can't do things like sit in front of the TV and answer emails. We have to actually get dressed. Like, I don't know about you, but when I'm at home, I find it really easy to never get actually dressed into real human clothes. I either hang out in my pajamas or I hang out in my workout gear or I don't put my shoes on. And that has an impact. The way you dress and the way you look has an impact on your creativity. It has an impact on your productivity. It has an impact on everything that you do. So find somewhere else to do your work. It doesn't have to be fancy. It can be anywhere. You guys might have heard me talk about how I found that working from home was killing my productivity. I was just flapping about like oh my God, a bird with two broken wings. It was ridiculous. Like I'd get up in the morning and I'd have my walk and I'd come home and I'd like sit down on my computer and then like, I'd be like, oh, what's for lunch? And I'd suddenly make myself these really complicated fancy lunches that took forever. Or, you know, I'd be standing there waiting for a said complicated fancy lunch to cook. And I would look to my left and see like, oh, there's laundry in the laundry room. I should probably do that. Oh, just put a load on, you know, whatever. And then my sister would call. So I'd chat to her for half an hour or whatever. And it was just ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. Or alternatively, because I knew that I could go back to my desk anytime I wanted, I wasn't efficient because I was like, hey, I'll just hang out with the kids now and then I'll go back to my desk and then I'll have dinner and I'll go back to my desk. And then I might watch some TV and then I'll go back to my desk. And time just disappeared like a fresh packet of Oreos in my cupboard. You start with one problem and then you end up with a whole belly full of problems slash Oreos. Bad idea. So if you can, go elsewhere to do your admin, even if it's just a local Starbucks or something with free Wi-Fi. A new environment makes a huge difference to your time. And also because you're not home, you're aware of not being home and you want to get back home. So it makes you far more efficient because somewhere in the back of your head, you're like, I need to go home. Like they're going to close soon. And it's one of the things I noticed was the biggest difference. And a lot of people have mentioned this to me. The biggest difference between working from home and working from a storefront is when you work from a storefront, you want to get home. So you naturally tend to do things a whole lot faster. So yeah, get out. Like seriously, get out. A couple of years ago, I started looking at doing some work in a co-working space and they gave me a free trial for a week. And I had to get dressed. Now, mind you, to get to this place, I had to not only get dressed, I had to get dressed. I had to walk to the train station. I had to take the train into the city and then walk from the train station into the co-working space. And at the time, I was like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. And you know what? I went there for my one-week trial and I discovered that in one day, single day of working there, I got more work done than I had in the previous week. And I'm like, 
okay, problem solved. And so these days I go into the co-working space two or three times a week, depending on what else I've got going on. And honestly, it has skyrocketed my productivity and I've got my time back. I no longer have to work at night unless I want to. I no longer have to work weekends unless I want to because Monday to Friday, I am getting stuff done. I mean, it's made a huge difference. So my final tip to reclaim your time is go somewhere else to do your stuff. I really want you to remember that the time you're spending on your business or in your business, both really, is time you're choosing to spend. I think it's really easy to blame customers like, oh my God, she sent me a thousand emails. Can you believe that? Or, oh, these roses are taking all night or whatever. It's really easy to complain and to blame other people for our lack of time, our lack of focus, our lack of productivity, our lack of efficiency. But ultimately, every hour we choose to do one thing is an hour we're choosing not to do another right? We think we're not in control of our time and we very much are in control of our time. So you can't kind of go, oh, this thing is taking me forever and then think that that's somebody else's problem. If it's taking you forever, that means it's taking time away from somebody else or something else or some other activity. And you know, it is true that sometimes we choose to indulge and take our time and that's totally fine. It's totally cool to be like, you know what? I'm going to take this slow. I really like it. I'm having a good time. I'm in no rush. You know, I'm in the zone, whatever. Totally cool. But then don't complain later when you're like, I just don't have enough time to do what I want to do. So I think the thing I want you all to remember is that time is somewhat elastic in that you can choose to spend forever or you can choose to spend five minutes on things. And the way we feel about our time is also elastic. That same hour, that same 60 minutes can feel like it goes forever or can feel like it goes in the blink of an eye. But how you spend your time is entirely up to you and you just need to be aware that if by choosing to spend your time on one thing, that means something else isn't getting your attention. It's totally okay if that's the case, but you can't then kind of complain about it later and be like, oh, because those flowers took me 10 hours in front of Game of Thrones, that means that, you know, I didn't get to answer that woman's 89th email, right? You're in control of this. So you are the master of your domain and you are the master of your time. So choose how to spend it wisely. How we spend our days is how we spend our lives. We just kind of forget that sometimes. So if you've got any hot tips on how to save time or things that you have just found out have been massive productivity hacks and you love them, you're always welcome to get in touch with me. It's Michelle at thebizofbaking.com. Ooh, I had a good Z sound then. Ooh, and if you're Australian, you would know that I just said Z, which is how they say Z. Totally weird, right? They sing the alphabet song and at the end of it, it's WXYZ, which doesn't rhyme, so it doesn't work. But anyway, little Australian factoid of the day for you. I grew up in America saying Z and then here people said Z and I didn't know what that was. They also have a thing about the letter H. So we say H like as in the letter H and they say H. I don't know why it's H. That's a weird one. Okay, now I'm wasting time. Is this the best use of my time telling you about random Australian letters? No, it is not. So let's wrap up today's episode by me telling you about a couple of exciting things that are coming up. First, if you are running your business full-time and want to take it to the next level, then you need to come hang out with me. For the rest of this year, I will be touring in the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom. If you want more information on that, go to bizbakeontour.com. I would so love to see you. 
like so love to see you. I give really great hugs. And if hugs are not your thing because you don't do touching, then I'll just kind of smile at you awkwardly. I feel like that's a good trade-off. If you don't get a hug, you get an awkward smile, but at least you got a smile. And for those of you who are not doing this as a full-time gig, you're doing this as a part-time gig, then you need to get excited about the fact that this August, August 2018, my new class that I'm doing in conjunction in partnership with Sharon Wee is coming. It's a class called Sweet Side Gig. And it's for all of you guys who are finding that you don't have enough time to actually figure your business out. Sweet Side Gig is going to be amazing. It's sweetsidegig.com. You can find out anything you like about that. It launches this August and then enrollments for that are going to start rolling in. It's a really cool class specifically intended for those of you who are out there who do this as a side gig along your other commitments or maybe at the moment it's a side gig when it's going to become a big thing eventually. We wanted to create a class for you guys that isn't going to take a lot of time, isn't going to take a lot of money, but is going to give you that business legitimacy you want. You don't have to be the cheap cake lady. You can actually be 100% legit, but doing it as a part-time thing. So that's what Sweet Side Gig is about. So hopefully I will come across your shiny happy face in one of those programs. If not, you're always welcome to email me, say hello, and please, if you're feeling generous today, spend five minutes of your very precious time leaving me a review for the podcast. Reviews really help more people find me. You can do that on Google Podcasts. You can do that in a whole lot of places, actually. However you listen to your podcast, leave a review. I'd love to hear it. Thanks for listening, guys. And you know what? Make sure that you go out today and you choose to spend your time wisely. We're only ever given 24 hours in a day, so let's use them well. Have a great week and be awesome. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.